What's going on, everybody? And welcome into another edition of B Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the early morning hours of Thursday, July 14th. As, boy, how do I break this one down? Let's just say the Cardinals played another 7-6 to six game on Wednesday at Bush Stadium. The first 7-6 to six game they played against the Dodgers went pretty good. Cardinals got the win on Tuesday. This 7-6 to six game had the opposite result. And boy, did it look for a while as though that just wasn't something you could even fathom, but you always know in the back of your mind. The Los Angeles Dodgers are capable of doing it to you. And tonight, it was a situation where maybe it was a little bit telegraphed when Adam Wainwright, your bulldog, your workhorse, isn't able to be as efficient as he hoped, and he ends up not being able to get through six innings in this game. And that's troubling on a day where you just did not have the full complement of relievers. You didn't have a fully healthy and available bullpen tonight if you're the Cardinals. And even though the Cardinals offense built that lead and made it seem like there's no way the bullpen could blow this game, it's 6 nothing. They did their job. The bats got to Tony Gonsolin, who coming into this game had the best ERA in Major League Baseball this season, comes into tonight 11-0. And the Cardinals get five runs against him. We'll talk about the offense and some of the good things that we saw from that group tonight. But the bigger story ends up being the bullpen and the bullpen usage and the way that the relievers were not able to seal the deal tonight for the Cardinals as you take a 6-0 lead after six innings and turn it into a 7-6 loss for the Cardinals. Three innings of crooked numbers for the Dodgers, 7th, 8th, and ninth, and that ends up being the Cardinals' undoing. So as much as I do want to bring up the offense and talk a little bit about what I like from the Cardinals in that third inning in particular, where they were able to get four runs off of Gonsolin and actually take advantage of a mistake that the Dodgers' defense made, and Nolan Arenado certainly made them pay for it, that really can't end up being the bulk of what we talk about tonight, unfortunately. I'm telling you, there was a moment during tonight's game where I thought that might have been the case, where we would come in here and we would talk about Wainwright doing just enough, going five and a third innings, which is not his typical outing, but he holds the Dodgers scoreless over that time. And we could have talked about Packy Naughton coming through with another Houdini, his second in a row. This time it wasn't bases loaded, but it was still a pretty impressive job in a moment where the Cardinals really needed that boost and they got it from the left-handed reliever who should feel real calm and comfortable with his spot on the roster now. It was just, a what, a week and a half ago when Ollie Marmel was telling him, hey, if you can get us this last inning here, mop up this fifth inning or whatever it was at the time. You're not going back to Memphis. Don't worry. Your job is safe. Not only is his job safe now, he's maybe among the most reliable relievers and, and fireman-type relievers that Marmel would have at his disposal on any given night out of that St. Louis bullpen. So we could have talked about the offense and Packy Naughton. Instead, we've got to talk about the fact that every reliever who came into the game after Packy Naughton did not do his job. Each of them gave up earned runs, at least one. Each of them struggled and were contributing factors to why the Cardinals were not able to get this win tonight. So we'll get into that, and we'll also get into what I think a lot of fans were talking about on social media tonight, and there were a lot of questions about this. Ollie Marmel's bullpen management. Fans recognize that yesterday was a bullpen game, essentially, with Matthew Libertor being your quote-unquote starter, but he ends up being the third guy to pitch in the game for you. He only goes two and a third, 
you used a lot of resources out of that bullpen yesterday, and then you optioned Libertor to Memphis today. You brought back Drew Verhagen. Uh, don't worry, folks. We're going to get into a conversation about him as well. He was one of the relievers that came out tonight for the Cardinals and did not get it done, contributing ultimately to the 7-6 to six loss. So we'll talk about bullpen management because I, I know it is a hot-button issue for fans, but I, I'm hopeful that by the end of this episode, we will all be a little bit smarter and a little bit more knowledgeable about what it looks like for a Major League Baseball manager to navigate these waters on a day like today. And I'm not trying to carry all the water for the Cardinals and for Ali Marmel in this situation, but one thing I really did appreciate about the Cardinals manager from Wednesday night's postgame was an answer he gave to Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and a question about how these conversations go with relievers and what's their availability and can that change? What does that process look like? That's something that's a peek behind the curtain that even the media don't really often get a good understanding of. And so I liked that Ben Fred asked the question the way that he did. And the answer that Ollie gave was fantastic. I'm going to play it in its entirety during tonight's podcast. It's about a two-minute clip, but I think it's worth it. I really do. And I, I don't know that Ballet Sports even showed this on the, the postgame show because it came a little bit later in Ollie's postgame. So make sure you stick around for that. I think it's going to be one of the more fascinating clips that we've played ever on B-Shafe Daily because this is what fans are talking about tonight. People are upset because Ryan Helsley did not find his way into this game. And sitting up there in the press box, people are talking about it. People are wondering about it. I'm getting messages about it. How is Ryan Helsley not in this game? He only threw 13 pitches, whatever it was, in Tuesday's game. He didn't pitch on Monday. What does that look like? The Cardinals have a big game on the line right here against the best team in the National League. They're trying to keep pace with the Brewers in the NL Central. How is Ryan Helsley not in this game? There's a lot that goes into it, it turns out. And Ollie had some really good insight about it. You know who else did as well? Ryan Helsley did. I got a chance to talk with him with a couple other writers that were around and got to pick his brain a little bit about what all goes into these decisions and when you're able to pitch and when you're not and how he has adapted his routine in that regard over time. He's no longer the the fresh-faced kid that's just trying to hang at the big league level. This guy's an all-star this season, and that's maybe had some impact too on the level of comfort that he's had to be able to really speak his mind, to know when his body's ready to go, and to know when maybe it's time to back off a little bit. And that, I think, is going to be some really interesting audio that we play as well on B-Shape Daily today. And that's, by the way, probably audio that you will not hear anywhere else because there were four writers standing there when it happened and I was one of them. And none of those people, to my knowledge, do radio shows. So I don't think they're playing the audio on their podcast. I think that may be something that you're only going to hear here on B-Shape Daily. So with that in mind, appreciate you guys for being with me. That's what's on the docket for today's show. So without any further ado, we should get into it once I remind you that Gosh darn, if you're somebody who's listened to the show a few times and you're not so sure about it, but you're starting to think that maybe there might be something to this thing of every day after a Cardinals game, I can listen to this dude talk for 30 or so minutes about the most important and most relevant details that are going on with this baseball team at this point in time. Maybe there is something to that in your mind. And if you think it is, I would say subscribe right now. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, review us, let other people know that we're out there and we'll build this thing up 
and be able to continue doing it someday for some money. You know, that's the goal of this thing. I'm trying to make a living here. But right now, I'm just giving you podcasts. No, no real sponsors. You listen to that anchor ad at the beginning. That's helpful for me. I get a couple of bucks, but nothing too substantial. But that's the game here. And I really think we could be on to something with this podcast because I know there are Cardinals fans out there and you guys are fervent. You love your team and you want the, the best and most up-to-date information you can get on the St. Louis Cardinals. That's what we're trying to do here. And so I hope that tonight we're able to accomplish some of that with some of the main issues that fans have been talking about with regard to this loss tonight by the Cardinals. So now let's go ahead and get into it. I'm going to talk a little bit about the offense because that's something we're just, unfortunately, we're just going to have to gloss over it briefly. But there have been some really good performances by the Cardinals offensively recently. Andrew Kisner, Lars Newtbar, those two guys at the bottom of the batting order have been at the forefront of this thing recently. Andrew Kisner tonight, another two for two with a walk. So he's been on base three times in each of his last two games. I believe he's seven for his last 11 if I've got the game logs statted out correctly. He's doing a real good job at the bottom of the order for the Cardinals. Had another big game. He had three RBIs yesterday and three hits. And then tonight on Wednesday, he comes through again as the ninth hitter in the lineup. Gets another RBI. He's on base three times. I know that the catcher position is a little interesting. It always is with the Cardinals. We've got Yadier Molina, but this day and age, you don't really know what he can bring to the table offensively when he does return from the injured list, which is expected to be early August. He's going to rehab at the end of July. That was news that came out on Tuesday. If you missed Tuesday's B-Shape Daily, or technically that would have been Wednesday morning's B-Shape Daily regarding Tuesday night's game, go back on the podcast feed and listen to it. But yeah, Yachty is coming back at some point, but he hasn't been having a great offensive season as it is. Now, Andrew Kisner knows... I haven't been having my best offensive season either, and maybe that's part of the reason you hear John Mozeliak a week ago or so talking about the trade deadline saying, yeah, well, right now we may have to look for an offensive upgrade at the catcher position. Well, if you're Andrew Kisner and you hear that, first of all, I think that was maybe more geared directly to the ears of Yadier Molina to have Mo say that and go, wait a minute, I'm Yadier Molina. I am this team's catcher. Why would they be talking about that? Eh, maybe I should let them know that I do indeed plan on coming back. That might have been a little bit of gamesmanship through the media by Mo on that front. But if you're Andrew Kisner, you got to recognize how that impacts you as well. This was a guy that has had this opportunity to run with the job this season and hasn't really picking up the mantle and taken it the way he probably would have hoped. He's starting to do that, though, with what he's doing at the plate. Did have a little bit of a rough game defensively tonight with a pass ball, a couple wild pitches that were allowed. Uh, but by and large, I think he does a decent job, a solid job of managing the pitching staff. Offensively, though, they've needed more from him. Good to see him again provide that tonight. Lars Newpar as well, two for four, had an RBI. Really solid from him. Tommy Edmond with a couple of Tommy Two-Bag sightings at the top of the order. That was important to see. And I think the reason that I've mentioned a guy like Andrew Benintendi so much recently, and of course his trade value took a hit today with the news that he's not vaccinated, along with nine other Royals who cannot now go to Toronto. I don't really know what that'll do for his trade value in terms of can an AL East team even trade for this guy, knowing that there could be a, a situation down the road in August, September, or even in the playoffs if you have to go to Toronto where you don't get to use him? But just in terms of the Cardinals' viewpoint, I've been looking at Benintendi saying Cardinals need a leadoff guy, somebody who can really set the table for Goldie, for Arenado in the middle. And Edmund hasn't been doing a good enough job of that really recently. But with a couple of doubles today, I, I like the way the ball was coming off his bat. He was taking good swings. 
That's what the Cardinals really need to see from Tommy Edmond. And if he does what he did today, he is going to be just fine as the leadoff hitter for this team. Uh, but it's got to happen more consistently. So a good start and a good to see from him tonight. But let's go ahead and dive into the third inning specifically because that's where the Cardinals really got to Gonsolin for the first time. It was nothing-nothing still at that point when they're batting in the bottom of the third. And I love the way Kisner starts that rally out with a base hit. Edmund gets a double. And Paul Goldschmidt ends up driving in the first run of the game with a base hit to right field. They were shifting him a little bit strangely, but that left the right side of the infield pretty well open where the second baseman would normally stand. I don't know that Paul Goldschmidt's a guy that you can really shift very much because he's just so savvy. He'll hit to all fields. He'll do what it takes to get the run in. And with runners on second and third there, Goldschmidt drives the ball to the right side of the infield, scores the first run. Tommy Edmond is running from second base, and the right fielder is charging hard, trying to make a play on it. I guess that would be Betts out there at that point in time. And so he's obviously trying to cut off that second run from Tommy Edmond, who doubled and then he was running home, rounding third base. He comes up throwing in right field. And Goldsmith does the play on purpose where he's willing to get himself into a rundown if they want to cut that throw home off and then re-divert their attention towards second base and tag him out after a, after a rundown. Cardinals are perfectly comfortable with that. It would guarantee that Tommy Edmond is able to score. And this is something that the Cardinals have done. They've done little base running tricks at times this season. Not anything new from them. But what was interesting in this spot, it was Tommy Edmond running. And I asked Ali Marmel about this play after the game. And he mistakenly, I think he got a little bit confused and asked about said Albert was running, and so we wanted to make sure. No, that was Edmund running in this situation. But still, you want to guarantee that second run. Anything you can get against the Dodgers is great, especially against Tony Gonsolin, who had been so good so far this season. So I'm totally cool with the Cardinals essentially saying the inning is going to end right here if the Dodgers just cut this off and, and put Goldie into a rundown. But Edmund will certainly have time to score before he ends up getting tagged out. It's 2 nothing. Cardinals will go to the fourth. But the Dodgers don't cut it off and they had absolutely no chance of getting Tommy Edmond at home. So that was a play that I think was a mistake by the Dodgers' defense where you have to cut that throw, but I think they got a little bit greedy. They were trying to, you know, Mookie Betts is a good arm, and so they're trying to give him a chance to get Edmond at the plate. Edmond is way too quick for that, and it wasn't even remotely close at home plate. The catcher has to step out three or four, five, six feet in front of home plate to then try and cut it as quick as he can to get Goldschmidt at second. He's not able to do so, which allows... You guessed it, Nolan Arenado to come to the plate, and he roped one, baby. It's good to see that from Nolan, his 18th home run of the season. Again, it's an opportunity that with two outs, it would not have taken place if not for the mistake by the Dodgers' defense. And so at that point, I'm thinking this is a chance for the Cardinals to really jump on things. Arenado comes through with it. They make them pay for that mistake. 4 nothing Cardinals, things are looking good, but in the back of your mind, you're going, yeah, Wainwright's taken a lot of pitches to get through these innings. I don't know when this is going to come back to haunt the Cardinals, but it seems as though it could happen at some point. Even though the offense continued to add on for St. Louis, it was Wainwright grinding about 20 pitches, give or take, pretty much every inning. Kisner got an RBI double at the bottom of the fourth inning, makes it 5 nothing. Lars Newtbar adds an RBI in the sixth after Wainwright had come out of the game. This was the play where Cody Bellinger, he had his eyes light up because this was when Albert Pujols was running. And so Bellinger in center field thinks, oh my gosh, he's rounding third. I'm going to nab this dude at the plate. I'm about to throw out a legend, except for he forgot one thing, the baseball. Ball gets by Bellinger, Pujols scores easily, and the Cardinals have that 6 nothing lead. That was where you want to be, but Wainwright had already come out of the game in the top of the sixth inning. 
He pitched really well. Like, for not having his best stuff, Adam Wainwright did a good job tonight. There's no question about that. Five and a third innings, no runs allowed, four hits allowed. The problem comes in when you walk four guys. And Max Muncy, he was getting on base via the walk every single time tonight until he comes up with the swing that tied the game in the ninth on a sacrifice fly. Guy comes up to the plate five times for Max Muncy, doesn't register an at-bat because he walks four times and then hits a sack fly, which also does not count formally as an at-bat. The four walks for Wainwright is something that he certainly wishes he had back. Five strikeouts, it doesn't pair very well with four walks to have five strikeouts because that just means you're throwing more pitches. Wainwright has always preached efficiency being such an important element of his game. And certainly on a game like tonight where you know the bullpen was pretty taxed from yesterday is a game where Wainwright would have to be focused on getting through those innings quickly. Problem is the Dodgers are a really good lineup. You can't just assert your will sometimes on a lineup like the Dodgers and find ways to put these guys away. Sometimes you're hoping that they're going to hit into the weak contact themselves, but when you're when you're baiting the hook a little bit and you're nibbling around the edge of the strike zone, you're walking guys, it just ends up kind of being a little out of sync tonight for Adam Wainwright. 114 pitches he ends up throwing. He was at 101, I believe, after five innings. And I was watching the bullpen carefully. They hadn't gotten anybody up. Guys were getting a little bit loose, stretching, knowing that that's that part of the game where you start to get your names called out there. But Wainwright was going to go out there for the sixth inning, frankly, because the Cardinals really needed him to get through it some way or another. He wasn't able to do so. Ends up allowing a couple of base runners. Ollie comes out to the mound as a big meeting on the meeting of the minds on the mound with Adam Wainwright. They're going to give him one more shot. He walks to the last batter he faces. That's when Packy Naughton comes in. Does Packy Naughton things. I mean, it ends up getting lost in the shuffle a little bit tonight. That's why I want to make sure I mention it again. Really good job. So it was runners on first and second, one out. The very night after Packy had bases loaded, nobody out. He got out of that first jam, and then tonight gets out of this one. And so you're feeling pretty good about the Cardinals' chances there after six innings, right? And certainly after they add another insurance run in the bottom of the six, it's 6 nothing. Things are looking good. But then that's when we have to get to the meat of the program, I realize we've been talking for a little bit already, but the bullpen stuff I think is what a lot of people came here to hear some insight on because I've teased it enough. Cardinals bullpen did not do their job. I'll go through it real quickly before we start getting into the nitty-gritty on it, but for Hagen, Henesis Cabrera, Junior Fernandez, Giovanni Gallegos, those are the four relievers that came in tonight after Packy Naughton. All of them were charged with at least one run. It started with Verhagen, who comes back to the Cardinals from the injured list Today, he's the other half of the move with Matthew Libertor being sent down. And Verhagen looked pretty good at the beginning. He had to come into this game and think it was like, damn, I'm off the I.L. and I'm in the All-Star game all of a sudden because he had to face Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman right out of the gate, which is not necessarily very pleasant. But he finds a way to get it done, at least for the first two batters, strikes them both out. And Ollie Marmel said after the game, and this was something that was interesting, and I think when you're looking at decisions and, and personnel and the way guys are used, the catcher position, this is something that they don't really ever have to worry about with the Adair Molina, but in the case of Andrew Kisner, maybe there's still some growth there to to undergo because Ollie said he doesn't understand why they didn't stick with the curveball, stick with the off-speed stuff that was working so well against those first two batters. Too many fastballs then to Freddie Freeman, who ends up getting a base hit, and then a fastball to Will Smith, the catcher, the cleanup man, who takes Drew Verhagen deep for a home run, two runs at that point for 
the Dodgers. All he said after the game, I don't understand all the fastballs there. That's just pitch selection that's, that's an issue at that point. And he's not afraid to call that out and say that he would have liked to have seen that go differently. Uh, for those who say, for Hagan, I don't know what he's still doing on this team. Yeah, he's going to have to answer for that at some point in terms of just being effective. Talk a lot about how he's got good stuff. Got to be able to use it and got to be able to get outs for this team more consistently because it's going to be crunch time. Like They're going to have to make some decisions in the rest of this month of July of do we go out and get some relievers? Do we call guys up? What do we end up doing? I thought it was interesting that Angel Rondon, who I mentioned last week, was DFA'd despite never giving up an earned run as a St. Louis Cardinal, never in the big leagues in three or four appearances over the last couple of years. Did Rondon ever give up a run? But then he gets claimed by the Giants today, so he's no longer with the team. That happens on the same day that Verhagen comes back and and gets roughed up a little bit by Will Smith and the Dodgers. So you're right. I mean, Verhagen's not a great option right now the way he's been pitching. You hope that maybe it was the injury that was the reason he had struggled because he was pretty decent at the beginning of the year. But tonight... Not good to see him after a good start to the outing. Isn't able to really conclude it the way that you wanted. Gives up that home run. And that sort of started the domino effect for the Cardinals. So let's get into the other relievers that had trouble. Genesis Cabrera was next out of the bullpen. And, you know, he's given up walks. He was asked, uh, Ali was asked after the game about the velocity for Cabrera not being as strong recently. And he agreed with that, that it's down a little bit. Don't know if that's indicative of an injury or anything like that, but he gives up two earned runs or is charged with two earned runs ultimately after walking a guy and giving up a hit. And one thing that was interesting, and Ali, I just love the answer that he gave to Ben Fred, so I am going to go ahead and play that audio here real quick when I can get finished setting it up. You can look at a guy like Giovanni Gallegos and wonder, why is he pitching after 23 pitches from last night? Ryan Helsley only threw 13 or whatever it was. And you're still going with Gio, despite the fact that he hasn't looked really good recently. I think Gio's given up runs in each of his last four outings or something like that. So he has struggled. He doesn't. He hasn't seemed as sharp recently. That was Gio in the ninth inning. For Genesis Cabrera, it was a situation where Ali wanted to, even though he was only 14 pitches or so into the outing tonight, danger was beginning to form on the, the base paths for Genesis Cabrera. And Mookie Betts was coming up. And so in that spot... He made the decision to go to Junior Fernandez out of the bullpen to try and get the Cardinals out of that inning. It obviously doesn't go the way that they wanted, but there was a reason for that, even though at the moment, and in retrospect even, I saw fans that that raised a pretty good point of, why are you going to Junior Fernandez in that spot when you may need him later on with a limited bullpen? Right, You've got limited options out there. We can go through the names of who was available that didn't pitch in this game, and there's really only one. It's TJ McFarland who came up earlier this week. And I, I, unless I miss something, we still have not seen him appear in a game. Cardinals have been playing some close games. And clearly the manager is not sure about the trust level with TJ McFarland in these tight spots. You'd like to ease him back in if you possibly can. The problem with that is Zach Thompson didn't need to be eased into anything. He was in that role previously and was doing a darn fine job of it hadn't given up an earned run in the last nine or ten innings in relief, whatever it was. Now you don't have that as an option, so it hamstrings you a little bit in terms of your bullpen management. But what I would say about that is that is a John Mozeliak question, not an Ollie Marmel question. Ollie did not make the decision to send out Zach Thompson. I'm sure Ollie would have loved to have had Zach Thompson tonight, probably could find a place to use him, even if it's not that ninth inning. I think that the way you're able to handle the innings leading up to that pivotal spot in the game 
it takes place differently and it shifts because you have the luxury of a guy like Thompson who's confidently gotten some big outs for you from the left side. TJ McFarland recently has not done that. And so it kind of paints you into a corner there with him as the only guy that was available to pitch in this game. To be very clear, the only guy that was available to pitch who didn't in terms of the Cardinals bullpen. Hicks, Oviedo, both through one-plus innings. I think Oviedo was an inning and a third. Hicks was 1.2 innings on Tuesday as the opener for the Cardinals. Neither was available tonight. And, of course, Ryan Helsley was not available either. And so that would be a spot where you say, why Junior Fernandez? Why rush him into the game instead of leaving in Cabrera when you may need him later on? Well, this is going to be the opportunity that I use to take and play the Ali Marmel clip. I'm going to play the question from Ben Fred as well, so you're going to hear the entire thing. It's about two minutes long, but I'm promising you this. It is worth the listen, and then we'll talk about it a little bit and give our reactions to what we just heard after this. First, you'll hear the voice of Ben Fredrickson. It is a little bit quiet, but I didn't want to blast the audio too loud to give you any uh, sort of seizure or anything like that when it transitions from Ben Fred to Ollie. So, here is the audio of Ollie Marmel answering what I thought was a pretty interesting and integral question after Wednesday night's loss to the Dodgers. Can you explain like, your conversations with guys about their availability? Sure. Is that something that's no, a really good question. Be revisited during a game? Is it off limits if decided before a game? I, I know that it's common for you guys to work with but I think there's sometimes what goes into that and can it change over the course of the game? Yeah, that's a really good question, and I appreciate it, actually, because a lot goes into it and the way you asked it as far as do you revisit it during a game. Um, No. Uh, Guys, here's the thing. You have the conversation after they go and play catch. They have a pretty good idea of their bodies. That's why they're here, and they let you know what they're capable of doing that day. So you can easily sit there and go, okay, you use junior for three straight days, but you're – best pitcher in Helsley can't go back to back today. Guys recover differently. Some guys are more resilient. Some guys um, don't get as sore after throwing just the way their body moves and how they, it's just, it's a combination of a lot of different things. So you, you go into that game plan and you go, okay, this guy says he can get me out of an inning in junior today. That's why he's going in there just to record an out. Did it work out the way we wanted to? Absolutely not. Uh, Gio says I got up and in one inning so you can't use him to get out of that inning and give you the next he's either going to get you out of that inning and be done and then you're going McFarlane in the ninth or you go with junior and then uh Gio has the ninth but those are your your options Hicks is down Ovi's down um Naughton could give you one so you you have an idea of what every single pitcher in that bullpen's uh comfortable with that day and then you game plan around that where you get in trouble and lose their trust is when they tell you, I got an inning, and you say, hey, I need you to get me five outs just because you're in the heat of the moment and you didn't plan accordingly. So um, really good question. There's a lot more that goes into it. That I, I hate saying we have more information than, than you guys because it just seems like a, a way out, but the reality is um, that is the case. Uh, I'd love for everybody to be available every day. That game looks different. Yeah. So that was Cardinals manager Ollie Marmel on Wednesday after the Cardinals lost to the Dodgers. I thought pretty insightful stuff about really what goes into the conversations that surround the topic of bullpen management. And I really think in that clip there, it just kind of goes to show the degree to which we really don't have all the info as fans or media or people watching from the outside 
the way that we think we do. It, it feels nice to paint the neat little picture, right, where you can look at it and say, well, Helsley obviously should have pitched tonight. Marvel's an idiot. What a dummy. I don't understand why he's the manager of this team. How can they allow this to go on? Like, that's always going to be our instant reaction. But I think, and again, listen to that full clip. It's a couple minutes long. That's not the voice or the thought process of a dummy, right? Like, I know that there are enough Cardinals fans out there that say those kinds of things, and I see that, and people say, I don't think Ollie's the man for the job. First of all, it's only been a few months. I really feel like that would be a hard stance to take at this point in time. But honestly, if you listen to the opportunities and the moments where Ollie Marmel articulates and explains thought process type things like this, I don't know how you could have come up with that take that Ollie isn't the right man for the job. I think he's a really sharp guy, a really smart baseball mind, and thoughtful in the way that he goes about these things, where I feel like a clip like that should give Cardinals fans confidence, if anything, more than it should say, oh, what a blowhard. Why would he do that? Helsley should have pitched. Like, if that's the way you feel, you're entitled to that as a fan of this team. But I don't think that's a fair representation of what the people in the trenches are actually doing and, and what they're actually trying to work with. Like, if you want to deny reality and say Helsley should have pitched, okay, you're welcome to do that. But listen to Ollie Marmel. Listen to when he says where you lose a guy's trust is when he tells you he's got one thing and then you try and get him to do another. And that's why the question was posed so eloquently by Benfred. Does that ever change mid-game? All he said, really, no, it doesn't. It can't in the way that they approach things. And that's what brings me to Ryan Helsley. If Ryan Helsley said before the game, hey, I'm down, I'm not going to be able to pitch today, even though you might look on paper and say, I only threw 13 pitches yesterday, I should be able to be in there. As the manager, you you do have to respect that. And I know that's a, a tricky thing. And if, you're, if your take is, well, Ryan Helsley's soft and he shouldn't be telling his manager that he can't pitch when it's a, a pennant race and you're playing the Dodgers and you've got to be able to be in there for your team if you're to be considered the closer. You're welcome to have that take as well. It's not one that I personally agree with, though, especially not after talking to Ryan Helsley about it tonight and what it, what it looks like to him to make sure that he's honest about what his body's feeling and trying to maintain his health so that he can be there for the long haul for the team. That's really what this boils down to. And so I thought that was interesting. I hope you thought it was interesting as well, what Ollie had to say about the whole situation. He said earlier, by the way, and I'm not going to play the audio of this because I've I've gone on long enough, but just for the insight on specifically like, okay, why not for Ryan Helsley? Other than Ryan Helsley saying, well, I, I, I don't feel like I can go tonight. I don't think my body is is in for that this evening. I don't think I've got the inning in me that you might need from me. Five out of the last seven days, Ryan Helsley has pitched, and that's something that the Cardinals have been carefully monitoring the entire season when it comes to Helsley in particular because they want to try and keep him as fresh as they can and as healthy as they can. And so in this case, it was just a situation where the numbers, it just didn't make it an option for Ryan Helsley to be in the game. Despite what happened last night on Tuesday, only throwing 13 pitches or 12 pitches or whatever it was, there's more that goes into that matrix of the way they want to handle it and the way they want to look back over the previous week and say, how stressful has life for Ryan Helsley been? I mean, he pitched on July 7, July 9, July 10. So that was a recent back-to-back. And then didn't pitch on the 11th, does pitch yesterday on the 12th. And then on Wednesday, the 13th, it wasn't 
possible to do. You can't just look at the previous couple of days. I know it's so easy and it feels like the right way to do, but it's not the way the Cardinals do it. And I tend to acknowledge and understand that to an extent, especially though when the player tells you, yeah, I don't think this is the day for me. Keep in mind too, July 7th, he pitched two and a third innings. So that adds stress, adds pitches to your arm. And that's all within a one-week period. It would have legitimately been five out of seven days. So when you frame it that way, does it change your mind at all? And if it doesn't, that's okay. I'm just here to give you the information, and I'll editorialize a little bit and tell you what I think. But I do think that context is important compared to just saying, well, he didn't pitch the day before yesterday, and yesterday he only threw 13 pitches. Those are facts. Those are very true statements. But at the same time, you got to look at uh, maybe a little bit more of a of a widespread picture. You, you go go widescreen view instead of the zoom on your television settings. And I think maybe you come up with with a little bit of a different perspective on what it looked like for Helsley. But if you don't believe what I have to say about it, you don't believe what Ollie has to say about it. Let's hear from the man himself. And Ryan Helsley, I thought this was great. It's so interesting to have a guy talk in a post game when he didn't even play in the game. I don't know how often you see something like that, barring somebody makes the all-star team. And so people are going to interview that person, even if they sat the bench that day, it's a very rare thing to have a relief pitcher speak when he did not pitch and five other relievers did. But I thought what Ryan Helsley had to say would be pretty important for Cardinals fans to hear. And if you're listening still to this episode of B-Shape Daily, you're going to get a chance to hear it where you probably wouldn't anywhere else unless I'm able to to fine-tune this audio a little bit for my radio show. I will say, this was using my Google Pixel cell phone recording standing a few feet away from Ryan Helsley. This is not radio quality, but I'm doctoring up the audio a little bit and hoping that we're able to get uh, some good insight from Ryan Helsley on this. So I'm just going to let it run. It's about a minute and 40 seconds or so of Ryan Helsley answering questions from baseball writers about what it looks like for him to trust his body, and know when he should be pitching and when maybe it's not as good of an idea. And the process by which he comes to that decision as well. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's the biggest part of the bullpen, you know. If, you know, you got to listen to your body, you know. Um, like that's one thing I've learned this year and from years past is really being honest and um, something that I'm trying to improve on. And, you know, I think that's how it makes the bullpen better is guys just being honest. Well, your role is a little different now than it's ever been before, so you really have to be. For sure. You know, I, mean, I want to be available every day, you know, but... Uh, Sadly, our bodies can't do that. So. <laughs> yeah. Do you think you'd be available tomorrow then? Yeah, yeah I think so, for sure. Um, especially having the day before yesterday off and then today. So. Okay. And did you know when you showed up you weren't available, or did you go out and throw yeah, first? Kind of going through it, you know, working uh-huh. through it throughout the day when you show up and try to get loose. And, uh, yeah, and just kind of listen to your body. And then, you know, sometimes you just, they just give you a day, and, you know, and get in the bullpen, and you'll take them and you can get them. Mm-hmm. Is that something... Given how important health has been and how imperative it's been to your success, I mean, you can make the honest direct correlation. How much more emphasis do you put in that when you make those decisions? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think just kind of listening to my body is the biggest thing. Um, you know, I pitched back to back days a few times this year and feeling better, and I think my body's adjusting. Um, and obviously, the way the season goes, hopefully, build on that. And, um, yeah, to see what moves. Is that something where, as a younger player, you may have been less inclined to feel as comfortable saying I, a day where you just don't feel like it's it's a good idea? Is For that sure, you know, because you, you want to stay up here, you know, and the biggest part of staying in the big leagues is being available, you know. So, you know, in 2019, I had a few times with a lot of innings, you're like, you know, well, I'm going down, I'm not man out, you know. So um, I think the biggest thing, you know, for young guys is, you know, still just listen to your body and um, just being honest. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Thanks. Appreciate the time.
So hopefully that came off relatively cleanly. I know that was some some real locker room audio. Not the clearest, but again, apologize for the quality on that. But I hope you're able to kind of get a sense for where Ryan Helsley's coming from and, and what that process actually looks like, right? Because in our minds, we almost, watching games, sort of just look at the roster. You look at the bullpen. Who still hasn't pitched? Well, that guy must be available. And we sort of pictured these guys as almost baseball-playing robots where in our heads, you got to win a game. It's an important game everybody's all hands on deck available on a given day. In reality, it just isn't that way. And hopefully with a little bit of explanation from Ollie, from Helsley, who was directly involved in this situation, obviously said he came in, throws in the afternoon. That's what you do when you come in as a pitcher. And and then you have those conversations with the manager and it's maybe not your day. That sort of ends up being a day where for Ryan Helsley, he feels it's going to better serve him in the long run. And even in the short run to be able to get that day and the Cardinals, probably that's a spot where they can can rescue him from himself even as well. Even if he says, well, I don't know, you know, if if you, if you had me for a moment here. Like with Junior Fernandez, the reason that you go to Junior instead of sticking with Cabrera there is because you really don't have Junior for a full inning anyway is the mentality coming into the game. They had Junior for one out today, as you heard from Ali in his clip. Unfortunately, he had to face several batters before getting that one out. And that's why you had Gallegos warming up in the eighth inning behind Junior Fernandez, just in case. I think one more batter, if he walks one more guy, Gio probably comes in. But then, as you heard, it would have been TJ McFarland for the ninth. And so there's a residual effect to all of these decisions. And in the case tonight of Ryan Helsley, yeah, could you say, well, I've got an out in you if, if you know, I've got an out in me if you need me to get through an inning and you need me to come in in the middle of an inning, be a fireman or something like that. Helsley could say that, but you heard from him, especially now as an established guy, it makes sense that younger players, and that's why I kind of asked him about it, makes sense that younger players would just do anything they can to stay around. That's why a guy like Packy Naughton, not that he's much younger, but much less experienced, still trying to find his way and, and stick with a big league club. He tells Ollie a couple of weeks ago, yeah, I can throw an extra inning, whatever, it's nothing, because he's trying to, to stick around and show his value to the team. It's just the, the harsh reality that, before you do that, yeah, maybe you're a little bit expendable in that regard and, and you're trying to prove yourself. After you've already proven that, the way that Ryan Helsley at this point obviously has, he's an all-star this season. There's no question about his stature or his standing with the team. You do end up having the luxury to sort of say, got to listen to my body. I got to look out for the long haul here. And the team wants that as well. For a guy like Helsley with an ERA of 0.7 this year, they want him to be sharp and fresh when he's coming into games as well. Now, it is fair to ask, well, what about the inverse of that? How sharp have, have we seen Gio Gallegos as recently? Well, not very. It's a veteran player, more veteran, though. Not as hard of a thrower as Helsley as well, and so you can maybe suggest that the recovery would be a little different. Gio is a guy that always wants the ball. He's always been that way since coming to the Cardinals. I'm sure he was that way before in his career. He got to St. Louis. So it's different strokes for different folks is honestly the way it boils down. Because you do have different guys that you're responding differently, you're recovering differently. And that's information that the Cardinals and their coaching staff and Ollie Marmel and the players have that we just frankly don't on a daily basis. And so it was nice to get that kind of insight tonight from Ollie. It was necessary, honestly, to do so as well. Because if he would have come out and said, Helsley wasn't available, and people say, well, why? He says, because he wasn't. Well, that's not going to come off very well. And that's just going to look like uh, a manager who doesn't trust the fan base to hear a response in like 
understand where he's coming from with it. And so that's why I thought it was really good that Ollie gave that pretty long response. I don't think it made TV, so hopefully you got to hear it here. Hopefully you got to hear Ryan Helsley here as well. You didn't hear that anywhere else. So that's uh, one of the perks of uh, being here with B-Shape Daily. But I've gone on for 40 minutes now. It's 1.30 a.m. as I'm finishing wrapping this thing up in terms of recording. And I have got to get to bed eventually. And i still got some other work to get done tonight. So that's going to do it, though. I'm going to wrap B-Shape Daily up at this point. I appreciate you guys, as always, for joining. Like I said earlier on, if you haven't subscribed, well, what are you waiting for, to be quite honest with you? Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts are great places to go. I do have a Brendan Schaefer YouTube channel that I'm going to be adding to as time goes on, but that's still kind of in the development stage. But go ahead and hop on over there if you'd like. Eventually, I want to do some giveaways. I've got a lot of uh, good Cardinals Bush Stadium giveaways that uh, I have just been sitting in the corner in my house, not really doing anything. I think those need to get out into the public, and I need to, to do some freebies with people. So that's all coming down the pipeline. But just a sincere thank you for listening to the show. Appreciate you guys as always. If you have any questions at bshafer12 on Twitter, hit me up. Seriously, coming up during the All Star break, I'm going to need to do like a, a trade deadline sort of show, and I'm just going to tweet out asking people what players do you want to hear about from a trade perspective when it comes to the St. Louis Cardinals, and we'll just rattle through some names during the All Star break when there's no games to talk about. So that's something I have planned moving forward as well. But thank you guys for being with me. That's going to do it for this edition of B Shape Daily, and therefore we will talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.